Okay, let's try this one more time. This is the third time I've tried tonight to do this. I didn't have sound for the first two times, and now I've probably chased my audience away. So we shall see if folks start arriving and when they do, if there is sound. The first two times there wasn't sound. So now hopefully there is sound. Let me know if you would, please. Someone's on here. Can you hear me? Let me know. I want to continue. I have a, a real good announcement, and I also want to continue. Can you hear me, Gail? Can you hear me talking right now? I've tried this. Sound. Okay, Wendy Rowland. Yes. I'm not even going to tell you what stupidity I went through to stop having sound now that half the audience has disappeared. I've tried this. This is the third time tonight. <laughs> so, hey, Mark Crispin. Yeah, sound is back. I got it fixed. Hey, Lavinia. Thank you for coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a techno whiz at everything. Yeah, whatever. My technology IQ is barely above seven, I'm sure. So I have some exciting information I want to share with you. I also have a major announcement that I also want to share with you. And uh, this time, yeah, baby, this time I will go for an hour. This is going to be a very big weekend. Uh, I am going to do many, many, many live podcasts if I can pull this off. I hope I can. I hope nothing interrupts me. Uh, and so what I want to announce is I am... I am getting the uh, techno-savvy background information from a good and dear friend who has volunteered to help me so that I can begin doing more podcasts on my backyardprofessor.org site also. And so those are just the sound and I will begin producing those again. I finally had a breakthrough for me through my brain. And uh, I will continue doing the live sessions video, of course. Uh, these are way too fun. And I am going to add an enormous amount of them, hopefully, over the course of the next few weeks. Because I want to get on record showing the power the influence, the beauty, the grace, the wit, the wisdom, and the influence of Freemasonry on Mormonism entirely to a positive degree, sincerely, from Cheryl Bruno, Joe Steve Swick III, and Nick Litursky in their brand new book on Mormonism and Freemasonry, Method Infinite. I got to come scrawling over here. This is what the book cover looks like. You do need to purchase this book. It is without question the all, the singular most all-encompassing text of this particular subject. So um, you need to get that fancy system that makes your voice silly and makes fart sounds. <laughs> oh, I can make fart sounds without any system. <laughs> Uh, the question is, will I be forgiven for doing so? Yeah, baby. I don't know. I think everybody else disappeared, but uh, thank you all for showing up. Now, I have, folks can watch the video. 
uh, I do have some really good information that I don't think any of you are privy to just yet. I know the book reviews are going to start coming out on Method Infinite. I am going to do several video presentations of a lot of their material, and I will tie that in with other material of other authors, etc. I'll kind of do my own study on this subject of Mormonism and Freemasonry. In this is such a new undertaking and a new approach in that it shows that Joseph Smith was very, very beholden to Freemasonry. He loved the subject. It was not just an all of a sudden, oh, I've got to come up with something. Oh, hey, there's Freemasonry. I think I'll grab some stuff from there. No, that is a false narrative. And the actual narrative is much more interesting historically. It's much more spiritually uplifting and fulfilling, even though the history wrecks the official Mormon narrative. We've come to learn through time that history has always wrecked the Mormon <laughs> narrative because they can't stand what really happened, so they're always changing it up. Yeah, they're either adding something or they're taking it away, or else they are editing it carefully to read something, a different meaning that's not actually there in the original document, things like that. Mormons have done that from day one, which is so unfortunate. And uh, Bruno uh, Swick and Latursky have demonstrated a lot of that in this book. And I kind of want to cover that uh, as well. Hey, Mike West. Uh, Weist, sorry, my eyes are shut. Heck, hey, Renee McRae, you can hear me now. Okay, yeah, now everybody else is gone, so... Yes, or moving the goalposts. That's an excellent observation, Mark Crispin. Yes, indeed. Mormons have been known to do that, and this is so unfortunate. What I want to do is read some selections of, of different eras. This is important because what this will do, and I, I, I will do this somewhat in order, but this will set the stage in our ability to understand the relationship with Masonry and Mormonism as pre pronounced, I'll say, by the Mormon scholars. And they have been very, very careful to demonstrate a selective interpretation on selective materials, both within Freemasonry and within the Mormon history. It is the later Mormonism, and this is so ironic, and this is what, this is one of the reasons why I have this this impulse, this impetus, the desire to share as much of this new book of Method Infinite, 
the book is called Method Infinite with my audience because these guys put it together that Mormonism, Joseph Smith specifically, beginning with Joseph Smith Sr. actually, and then this, this intelligent enthusiasm for Freemasonry came from Joseph Smith Sr., and it was put right into his children. And they absorbed it, they relished it, they used it, they became it, they taught it, they loved it, they breathed it, they ate it, they slept it. This masonry. Because Joseph Smith Jr. ended up being the proper prophet for the restoration of Freemasonry. And this is how the Masons were talking. They were concerned that Freemasonry had apostatized and it needed to be restored to its proper purity. Along comes Joseph Smith. Now, Joseph Smith Sr. made sure that his son, Joseph Smith Jr., ended up with a seer stone which has the, uh, I'm going to put it this way, it, it's not literally true, uh, yet it might be. But the property that was so important with this seer stone that Joseph Smith Sr., his dad, made sure the prophet Joseph Smith Jr. acquired and was able to use, it is an all-seeing eye, and that is just pure masonry. That is just solid masonry. So it's very, very interesting that uh, um, looks like we're still, some of us are here. Yeah, the important ones. Okay, all you guys. <laughs> so I want to read a couple of these selections to give us the historic context for how Mormonism has manipulated the record, and they, today's Mormonism, does not accept Joseph Smith's belief in Freemasonry. Today's Mormonism does not like Freemasonry being so influential, so they have changed it, warped it, cheated with the significance through a misuse of the historical record, and they have undermined Joseph Smith's own testimony and work with Freemasonry as a genuine restoration of a true system of brotherhood that can take us from dark to light. This is what Joseph Smith was working on. And today's Mormonism, who they think they know Joseph Smith better than Joseph Smith does, has warped the entire thing. I, and, and this is staggering. This, this kind of, you know, wow, set you back on your heels. It blows your mind that the arrogance of today's Mormonism, they think they know more about Freemasonry and the better use of it, which is very little use, than Joseph Smith himself who became the prophet of the restoration of Freemasonry as truth revealed from heaven. 
through the all-seeing eye, that seer stone. This is critical. Joseph Smith restored the Masonic lost word. And yet today's Mormonism rejects his mission. Is that ironic or what? And yet they love to claim, oh, yes, we believe Joseph Smith's a true prophet. Something's out of whack here. I'll show you. Mm. That's ice water. That's not ever clear, I promise. <laughs> if it was ever clear, I'd be bouncing off the walls, right? Okay. So here's the issue. Now, I'm on page. This is in Method Infinite. And, of course, this is in the uh, the introduction. And I want to set the stage here because this next page and a half I must read simply because of the way it's elaborated on. Overshadowed by such significant events as the first vision and the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith, one of the most pivotal events in all of Mormon history, has gone largely unappreciated. On March 15th and 16th in the year 1842 now, this is toward his, the end of his life, in the upper room of his store in Nauvoo, Illinois, Joseph Smith followed the footsteps of his older brother, receiving the three degrees of ancient York Freemasonry. Smith's formal induction into the craft of Freemasonry was a ratification, and it was an extension of Masonic activity in which he had been immersed since his youth. And this is one of the most beautiful parts about this book, because they demonstrate that extensively. So the Mormons are going to have to modify their warping of their own history in order to come up to a more realistic approach, such as Method Infinite takes into account. When we begin seeing uh, the book reviews or the video reviews, I suspect Fair is going to jump on it and uh, several people, possibly from Interpreter, and the Mormon apologists, they're going to try to scare you away from the book, or they're going to try to flip-flop with the way this book deals with this subject. And I'm going to be right here to keep the fire uh, on their toes and their feet and up their nose and uh, so on and so forth, because I'm not going to let them get away with pulling bull crap about this fantastic effort of Bruno Swick and Latursky. This deserves to be shared truthfully. And I don't trust Mormons to be truthful about this kind of history because they have their own silly agenda. And it is against Joseph Smith's agenda, which is fantastically amazing. Yeah, up their nose with a rubber hose. Hello, brother Paul Osborne. Good to see you. Oh, patty cake. Yes, I did. I, uh, I got the, uh, I got the, the uh, Issa Morris, good to see you. I got the sound back. So anyway, as an adult now, 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 so Joseph Smith has been immersed in masonry since his youth, and this book demonstrates that without question. As an adult, Smith relied on masonry as one of the primary lenses and means by which he sought to approach God and restore 
true religion. Notice this. Today's Mormons attempt to persuade us through a very carefully crafted selective use of the historical sources that Masonry was a false religion and that Joseph Smith really didn't use it much. That's entirely contradictory of the historical evidence that Method Infinite brings out. This is very critical to understand. This aspect of his work has been abandoned by his modern-day followers. Masonry in Mormonism has been placed upon the woodpile, and that's horrible. That's too bad. We're going to bring it back off the woodpile and put it back in its rightful place as center stage of an evidence for the restoration of true religion, which Joseph Smith was heavily involved in. They are not antagonists and competitors. Masonry is Mormonism. Mormonism is Masonry. Now, that's not just me or Bruno or Swick or Letursky saying that. Joseph Smith and many brethren. There was over a thousand Mormons who were inducted into Masonry. They all taught the same thing. Heber C. Kimball, Wilford Woodruff, Brigham Young, the Pratts, everybody. Very interesting. Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris, William W. Phelps, all of them, man. So they knew the true principle. This is what Mormonism has changed in order to present its own brainwash control agenda. And I no longer trust the modern historian scholars. I really don't. They need to earn the trust, not command it. And they have not earned my trust right now. So, uh, and this is why I want to uh, describe this. Just as Joseph Smith's name should be held for good or evil, spoken of among all people, and the Mormons are especially heinous at uh, making his name bad because they keep trying to attempt to make masonry appear as the evil, and that's just wrong. So they're part they're partly guilty for this. They love to imagine they're speaking the good, but are they? I don't think so. Later writers would treat the prophet's participation in Freemasonry with varying degrees of excuses, of speculation, of outright denial. This is how the Mormons treat the sacred history of Masonry and early Mormonism, by the way. So from the very beginning now, some would suggest that Smith plagiarized Freemasonry in the development of Mormon ritual. And this has been one of my contentions in my own ignorance. I have now since joyfully revised my understanding based on this new light that this book presents. And I am working my way through it for the second time in as many weeks. So, uh, in his 1842 History of the Saints, John C. Bennett, you'll all recognize that name, of course. He was a former assistant in the first presidency. He indirectly made such an allegation by reporting that Mormon practices in specific language familiar to both the Freemasons and the readers of the anti-Masonic exposés in Joseph Smith's day now, Freemason 
uh, Samuel Goodwin made the same accusation again later in 1921. So largely in response to these kind of charges, modern writers have sought to distance Joseph Smith from the Masonic fraternity. And what else they have done, the modern Mormons, they have downplayed the significant influence of Freemasonry on the Mormon prophet's thinking. By the mid-20th century, Mace or Mormon writer E. Cecil McGavin concluded, and this is the part of why I wanted to do this next session, because we are going to see the deliberate mishandling of Mormon history in order to undercut Joseph Smith's sincerely serious involvement with Masonry and build up a false historical agenda of what the Mormon scholars wish had happened. Which is really, quite frankly, ridiculous, right? <laughs> but this is what we're stuck with. This is this is what we're faced with. This is why careful historical analysis must occur. Now, let me read this to you. Let me read this, and then I'll howl at the moon with you. So, McGavin concluded that Joseph Smith attended only six Masonic meetings during his lifetime. Okay, three of these meetings, McGavin explained, were Smith's initiations under the direction of Illinois Grandmaster Abraham Jonas on March 15th and 16th, 1842. Here's what McGavin says. The prophet was so busy with church matters. Notice how he's separating the church matters from the mere unimportant Masonic stuff. This is the image that the modern Mormons have produced, which is entirely phony. Watch how they do this. Very clever. Not clever enough, though. True history will trounce the false built-up image that Mormons produce. The prophet was so busy with church matters that he never took an active part in lodge work. It seems from the meager records, oh, the meager records that are extant, that Joseph Smith attended as many meetings on those two days as he did during the rest of his lifetime. In the months that followed, he left the lodge work in the hands of others, never attending more than three subsequent meetings and never receiving a higher degree than the one the Grand Master conferred upon him at the third meeting that he attended. Now, that's McGavin's ridiculous reconstruction of supposed history. Another Mormon historian wrote in 1992 that Joseph Smith participated minimally in Freemasonry and, as far as is known, attended the Nauvoo Masonic Lodge on only three occasions. You notice the 
inbred mere copying of one dunderhead by another within Mormonism. Yeah, this is how Mormon scholarship is. It is inbred silliness. Well, here is the remarkable historical fact, however. <laughs> At the time that both McGavin and this other writer, uh, Kenneth Godfrey, wrote in 1992 that, quote, Joseph Smith participated minimally in masonry and, as far as is known, attended the Nauvoo Masonic Lodge on only three occasions, unquote. At the time that these Mormon authors made these claims about Joseph Smith's involvement with Freemasonry, the standard, now, the standard history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints included not just three, but 12 separate occasions upon which Joseph Smith attended Masonic meetings. Four times more in the official Joseph Smith history. That shows you how frickin' sloppy and careless and carefreely stupid Mormon scholarship is when it comes to a subject that they wish didn't really happen the way the history record said, and so let's change it to something more pure, more holy, more faith-promoting, and more testimony-building. In other words, make it more bullshit, because the real history, truth, isn't important to Mormon scholarship. And unfortunately, this is why I can no longer trust them. Now, you're welcome to if you'd like. I can't. They must earn that trust through impeccable honesty and full use of contextual resource analysis and exegesis of the scriptural meanings, not just their own pet stupid bullshit theory. That would be my approach, right? Yeah, but it gets worse. No joke. Now, here's the references, actually, in the history of the church, too. In the official history of the Joseph Smith history of the church, volume four, page 550, page 552, page 588, page 589, page 594. In the Joseph Smith history, volume five, where he is attending Masonic meetings, we have volume five, page 18, page 85, page 200, page 253, page 260, page 446, and finally in volume number six on page 287. But the Mormon scholars can't bother with their official history. They just have to make up some cock and bull story that's just so skewed and so idiotic and so ignorant that they can't help themselves. This is why I say you must be very careful in dealing with Mormons. And, and it really, uh, 
there for the first year or so after I uh, quit being an apologist, I was really harping on the apologists, and I still do, when they do such obvious, sloppy, unconvincing work, such as McGavin and Godfrey have done on masonry, right? When they're sloppy on any subject. But now it comes out that it's not just the apologists, you guys. It is the apologists, and it is the scholars. And unfortunately, it is the leaders who continually bend, warp, distort, and this is so unfortunate, but actually create false history and lies in order to reach their subjective, chosen, more spiritual, testimony-building history. Now, that's fine and well, in and of itself, until the real history is discovered. And then folks like me who value truth and hopefully an honest approach, as honest as you can make it. And obviously, McGavin and Godfrey didn't give a flying damn about honesty. These two were liars for Mormonism. I, they didn't even read their own flipping history carefully, right? So how can they possibly write about that history carefully? They can't. They didn't. And they don't, right? So when we discover this, we have to ask, why all this finagling, fickle, lying dishonesty? What are you so afraid of in the truth of history? You see, there that's a huge testimony killer when we, and I'm not alone in this, there are hundreds of thousands of people across the world right now who are beginning to discover that all of these what would you call them? These clever nuances, these so-called clever nuances and careful scribblings and let's recontext this to mean something that it didn't mean or is opposite of what it originally meant in order to keep people coming to church. When we discover all of that, there's hundreds of thousands who say, we we just don't have to put up with this. We don't accept this anymore. You see what it does. It not only kills the testimony, it falsifies the self-proclaimed testimony of those who are testifying that the Holy Ghost taught them the truth of their warped history. And that's impossible based on what they've described the Holy Ghost's mission to be. It can't testify of something that is intentionally crafted to deceive. Now, 
that's a rather uh, simple thing, I think, to grasp by pretty much any teenager on up. And yet the entire Mormon leadership, scholarship, and apologists apparently can't grasp that simple point, which astonishes all the rest of us, right? But it gets worse. I know. It, I am so not kidding. Yeah, right, Gail Capson. Wow is right. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Okay, so let me go on. Additionally, besides the fact that we can now discover within the history of the church 12 times where Joseph Smith was enthusiastically being spiritually uplifted and sharing in the glory of Freemasonry in his restored gospel approach to ancient truth, we find something else that's even deeper. Secretaries, let me move my water over here so I don't spill it. Secretaries keeping the minute book of the Nauvoo Lodge, despite occasionally missing some attendees, the secretaries from the Masonic, now we saw the Joseph Smith history, right? Completely wiping out the whitewash lies of Mormon scholarship on Masonry. Now we look at it from the Masonic Lodge point of view in Nauvoo. So we have two angles here, right? In the mouth of two or three witnesses. We have two. So in a Mormon mind, this should be valuable. Here's what we get. Now, of course, it's true. They occasionally missed some attendees. But the secretaries recorded Joseph Smith's attendance at the Nauvoo Lodge at no less than 35 lodge meetings on 27 separate days between March 15, 1842 and June 27, 1844, which is seven times more than what the Mormon liars, or, or I mean the Mormon authors, said. So not only do they ignore their own official church history, they're lazy learners, and they're sloppy from the Masonic side of things as well. Isn't that interesting? Lazy learner Mormonism falsifies their own history, imagining that the Holy Ghost is pleased enough to testify to their souls that it's true. 
And I don't buy that. That can't possibly be what is happening here. A comparison of the official minutes with the history of the church indicates that neither of these provided a complete accounting of the prophet's approximately 40 visits. A typical 1840s Masonic Lodge would have met 28 times or fewer during the same period of time. Thus, Joseph Smith and this needs emphasized, Joseph Smith attended more lodge meetings than members of most Masonic lodges. So some writers appear to have performed inadequate research, resulting in errors which have been carelessly repeated over subsequent decades, the Mormons, Others seem to have intentionally minimized the historical record. And so much for being honest about the historical truth. Mormons are not that. And it is unfortunate that in this particular subject, they get egregiously stupid with how they handle this relationship between Mormonism and Masonry. And so we're hoping to come to a more firm, more accurate, more truthful, more realistic assessment, analysis, and overall historical context of these two magnificent movements, Freemasonry and Mormonism, and how they gelled, they combined, they united into bringing mankind from darkness to light with the full intention from both sides. The Masonic doctrine involving with and including the Mormon doctrine from the prophet Joseph Smith that not only must we go from dark to light, our very souls are to be deified, and unified with the Father. And that's not something you find many Mormon authors willing to teach, admit, or say, because they steadfastly refuse to understand the Masonic side of this. They love to pout out their ignorance rather than just do a little study. Their lazy, learned, acquired testimonies don't mean spit to anyone except the other lazy, learner Mormons, who also love their ignorance more than the light, and so they keep repeating the same stupid, amateur, scholarly mistakes that would never do to even acquire a bachelor's degree in college, let alone a master's degree or a doctorate degree, because the Holy Ghost apparently shares his witness only with lazy, learning, liar Mormon scholars who love to tell a lie and keep us in the dark about the truth of the history. And yes, I'm slapping their bare little bottoms 
on purpose because I'm well aware that in the up and coming, possibly next couple of years, this book is going to be talked about and I'm going to spearhead the discussion with many, many, many videos on my live here and on my podcasts on the backyardprofessor.org. I am beginning my podcasts again where you can listen to several podcasts and I will bring in bring forth information on Freemasonry and Mormonism. More and more and more of this needs to come out now. I have completely reassessed my understanding based on this new fantastic contextual data, which Bruno Swick and Latursky have so masterfully mastered, acquired, and shared over the course of 20 years. I suspect several, if not all, of the lazy learner Mormon authors and scholars are going to put about six minutes into a supposed review that's supposed to convince the whole world that they know the answers and no one else does. And that's why so many more tens of thousands of us are going to continue walking away from the insane sophomoric stupidity of the lazy learner's Mormonism syndrome to truth. That would be where I come in, because I'm going to share the light and knowledge that Father promised. Yeah, and if you've been through the temple, you'll realize what I just said. I'll let you leave it there. Page XX in the introduction. I want to get to this, and then I want to close this out, and I think I will begin uh, another, I will do another Mormonism Live uh, tomorrow night. I will do one, and Saturday I'm going to truly attempt to do many, many, many live sessions, as well as on Sunday I'm going to pick up many, many live sessions throughout the course of the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And of course, I will also be doing Sunday nights, 6 p.m. as well. So let, let me read this on page XX. Throughout his life, based on 500 pages of really superb analysis and evidence, Smith was deeply enmeshed in the esoteric tradition that surrounded the craft of Freemasonry. The esoteric, the inward spiritual meaning, the esoteric, not the exoteric. Oh, come to church, give us your money, and you somehow will receive blessings from heaven. Yeah, The exoteric boredom, lazy learner stuff, just doesn't do anything for us. That's because they have excised and taken out Joseph Smith's esoteric teachings that are based, amazingly enough, in Freemasonry. It's amazing. And he had this throughout his life. Amazing. He developed groups. He also developed uh, associations within his new church organization. He modeled upon the Masonic fraternity, Masonry. And this would influence the Mormon restoration from Vermont to New York, Ohio to Missouri, and Illinois. Now, here's the key. 
believing himself to be a Masonic restorer, Smith called upon God to inspire him in order to create ritual in the Masonic and this is what today's Mormons are scared spitless about for no reason, but they do not accept Joseph Smith's own revelations and inspiration on utilizing the Masonic materials as the basis of his true restoration. Today's Mormons have apostatized from Joseph Smith's view. Isn't that remarkable? In doing this, in sustaining and building the Mormon ritual based upon Freemasonry, he sought to know the true name of deity, which in Masonic tradition had been long lost. And so this in Joseph Smith's heart and mind and spirit and intent is to bring his followers into the presence of the divine. It is based upon Freemasonry. That's quite remarkable. When you really... Stop and ponder that. You really realize this text promises a lot. Method infinite. This text promises a lot, really, truly. And, and, and it's pretty astonishing how fabulously it delivers. It does deliver. If any Mormon author or Mormon scholar or Mormon apologist tries to downplay the influence. And I, I honestly, I mean, predicting they'll do this is as easy as falling off a log. Of course they will. And they're going to manipulate this stuff. They're going to ad hominem somewhere, somehow. I guarantee it. You know, they'll say, well, Nick Letursky apostatized from Mormonism. Therefore, you can't believe a thing he said. You know, they're going to bring up all sorts of trivial irrelevancies about either the authors or they're going to misconstrue or skew the evidence which these guys have put together in order to try to make it look like today's prophets and scholars and leaders have it more accurate than Joseph Smith did. Because you see, through the spirit of revelation, today's prophet knows a lot more than Joseph Smith, even about what Joseph Smith himself thought, believed, hoped, and prayed for, and the inspiration he received. Can you not see how utterly, insanely arrogant that is? And yet that is how they act. It's quite remarkable. Um, after a while, it gags you. You say, oh, come on, enough with the pretense. Can't we get just a little bit real? No, they can't. Because in order for them to come clean you notice this implication now. In order for them to come clean into the true light, it will show that they've been in the dark.
And they have such a beautiful image to uphold. And it's all fine. And so many of us have fallen for that. A lot of us are very blessed with the inspiration from heaven to see the false darkness and to begin coming into the glorious light. That's important for everyone to do. Now, if you're going to remain within Mormonism, and that is entirely your choice. I personally can't. But if you are going to, just understand, you are going to, more or less, have to give up your own personal individual sovereignty and follow what someone else tells you to do, to think, to believe. And if you're comfortable with that, more power to you. Me, I believe in my eternal, uncreated spirit slash intelligence that Joseph Smith taught about, but that today's Mormons very rarely elaborate on because they don't care about you individually. They want to control and dominate you as a group. And that is what their focus is on. And this is one reason I would propose and suppose this is one reason why Mormonism just cannot countenance Joseph Smith's deep, abiding, beautifully, spiritually uplifting usage, presence, breathing, and intellectualizing Freemasonry. Because Freemasonry says each person is eligible on an individual basis now to have their own ascent into heaven and to join with the deity to become one. And this is the great message of ancient uh, Platonic, Pythagorean, Orphic, Egyptian, Neoplatonic, Christian, Gnostic religion, as the great Lithuanian metaphysician Algis Uzdavanis has said in so many of his books, which I will also begin to incorporate into this wonderful subject because it has everything to do with the principle that you can never destroy the ancient mysteries. They will, if you, if you don't like the particular approach or the road that the mysteries take you on and you begin to fight it, you lie about it, you leave stuff out, you know, you warp and change the history. You can't ever destroy the ancient mysteries because it will go underground and abide its time while up here you're in apostasy. And you say, see, we destroyed it, when in fact they've deceived themselves. They have not destroyed the mysteries. They will always come back up 
when there is a powerful spiritual enough impulse in humanity. And I think we've got that going on today because so many of us are tired of the stale philosophy where (laughs) today's philosophers pontificate more and more about less and less. They teach us nothing of actual, personal, spiritual, elevating, eternal, potential, beautiful spirituality and power. They're turning us all into nihilists. Like Mark Passio says, These guys are just trying to eliminate the light because what they want instead is control, which is a very greedy, silly approach because you can't get it done. Totally. But the light can spread. Totally. That's what Joseph Smith saw. And he saw the magnificent vehicle of Freemasonry to expound that light. And he did it with God's grace and God's gift and God's blessing. Otherwise, the Mormons wouldn't have their temple endowment. So whenever you see a Mormon uh, author or scholar or apologist say, oh, no, there was no influence with Masonry, you can just walk away fully justified, without any guilt, with with no shame whatsoever, you are wasting your time talking to that closed-minded, lazy learner because we now have the actual historical truth in Method Infinite. And I will expound on this throughout the course of many, 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 many videos. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's really spectacular. How broad, how wide, how all-encompassing and inclusive this thing gets is truly incredible. And that is one of the things I've loved about. Now, I knew it was going to be because I know these authors. I know their capabilities. Uh, I am intimately acquainted with with, uh, all three of them. And holy cow, they really let it out. In a in a in a meaningfully honest way, and yet, of course, it is humanly incomplete. Of course, you can't include it all. In fact, Cheryl uh, has told me that her last chapter was to be six hundred pages. When you look at this, the, the entire book is only 514 or something like that. So they made her edit it heavily, you see. Again, incomplete. But that doesn't mean they haven't shared. So there's a lot of great stuff to explore. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. So, oh, thank you for the likes. Quite a few likes. Good to see you all. I am going to call it a night tonight. I'm right at 55 minutes. And I will do another session tomorrow night. And 
don't forget, I am now doing podcasts again on the backyardprofessor.org, if you would be so kind. When you go to that, that is my personal site under this umbrella, this wonderful umbrella organization, Mormon Discussion Inc., my personal site, backyardprofessor.org, if you would care to donate. And a dollar a month, a dollar a week, a dollar, whatever you desire, give me a little pat on the back and say, thank you for all your efforts. Uh, That does help. It is encouraging. No, this is not about the money. Yes, this is about the, the spiritual elevation, acquiring a little bit of money in thank yous and gifts allows those of us who do this to continue purchasing and sharing. I mean, electronics wear out someday. I'm probably going to need a new computer, right? New books are published. I would like to keep us up to date, etc. I'm not using my money, all 35 cents of it, to uh, go buy a little red Corvette, like Prince sang about. No, this isn't about wealth. The wealth is not in the money. The wealth is in our heart and our mind and the sharing together as a community of people, groups of people who would really like to climb that ladder upward toward the light. And we can do this together. So thank you for all your support. I appreciate you. I'm very grateful for all of you. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to call it good. I'm, I'll, I'll try to talk to you and say hello to a few of you, whoever's here. Looks like we had a pretty decent crowd tonight. I'm sorry for the earlier attempts at uh, flubbing it. Uh, but anyway, uh, oh, Savte, welcome. I don't think I've ever seen you yet. Suze, Lamb Chop, good to see you. Yes. Uh, oh, here we go. Savte is kind of a fundamentalist and that's all right we like everybody in this group mark crispin okay soft apparently was a troll alisa galen thank you yes you're a christian but you don't have to be an ass about it soft that's been part of the problem with christianity you know that's like some people who come on and say well i'm mormon and then they go ahead and slobber and slaughter all over everybody, right? You don't need to do that. So that would just be my approach. But I am grateful that you showed up because it's always good to have all voices. And all people are always welcome on the Backyard Professor podcast. Renee McRae, glad to see you. Thank you for showing up. Good good on you, Mark Crispin. Patty Cake, of course. Hun, you're awesome too. No joke. So we had a pretty good crowd tonight. Not as good... I, I kind of blew it. It's all good. It works out. Lamb Chop, good to see you. I think I did say hi to you. T.O., how are you, my brother? Yeah, I had uh, quite a start tonight. Uh, Suze, good to see you again. Yeah, I will be on again. Just to reiterate, I'm going to be on again tomorrow night. I will be on as many times as I can on Saturday and Sunday, including my Sunday 6 o'clock. So, 
don't be shy on watching for several of my episodes on this fantastic subject of Method Infinite and sharing the light. Uh, and this is just one subject of many dozens that we have that we can go through over the course of the next 50 years. Yes, which is what makes it so dark gone exciting and fun to learn together because you are my brothers and sisters in mental acuity and desire for just enlargement which of course we hope we pray we work toward improving our lives and improving everyone's lives around us because you you want friends living with friends is much much greater so anyway okay you guys i love y'all I will hopefully see you tomorrow night. If all things go well, I intend on doing at least one of these tomorrow night. And then Saturday, I intend on doing a lot of them on Saturday and on Sunday. So in the meantime, remember, be good, do well, have fun, work hard, sleep well. Thank you so much for all your generous support and being here and sharing your spirit, your wit, your humor, your enthusiasm, your charm, your neighborliness, your love, your brotherhood, your sisterhood, your camaraderie, because that's what makes life worth it, right? I mean, that's called living. And I don't know about you guys, but man, I love being alive. So I'll see you guys tomorrow night, I hope. I have every intention of doing so. Thank you again for coming on. See you tomorrow.